I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. The name Giulio Gambelli is frequently mentioned in the interview you're about to hear. Gambelli, who died in 2012 at the age of 86, was a longtime advisor to Gianfranco Soldera, to Sergio Manetti at Montevertini, with whom Gambelli created La Pergola Torte as a 100% Sangiovese, and to many other producers in both Montalcino and Chianti Classico. Gambelli had begun his career as a lab assistant to Tancredi Biondi Santi during the war years and was known as a fantastic taster. The many stories about Gambelli and his amazing tasting ability seem almost unbelievable because they are so incredible. Several of the wines that Gambelli was associated with subsequently became very famous, but Gambelli himself was largely unknown. It was only towards the end of his life that writers began to devote pieces to Gambelli, such as in 2007 when Carlo Macchi published a book calling Gambelli the man who knows how to listen to wine. Another author who knew Gambelli and who wrote about his work was Bill Nesto, who co-wrote the book Chianti Classico, The Search for Tuscany's Noblest Wine. This is what Bill Nesto had to say about Gambelli when Nesto appeared for an interview in episode 402 of this program. Giulia Gambelli had a profound influence, but it was overlooked because he was the opposite of fashion. Even his personality was different, totally different from a modern business person. I don't know, have you ever seen the movie Being There? It's a Peter Sellers movie where Peter Sellers plays this sort of person who, on one hand, he's so simple that some people think he's a prophet. On the other hand, they think he's a simpleton. Giulia and Gabelli was like that. He was a man who was so humble that he was like a piece of stone in the ground. But at the same time, he had incredible knowledge and skill and was trained by Tancredi Biondisanti, one of the, the archetype of what I think are the great Brunellos of the 20th century. Bernardo Di Montalcino of Biondi Santia of the 1950s and 60s. Something I like about the interview you're about to hear is that Enrico Pozzesi of Fattoria Rodano 
is both able to discuss Giulio Gambelli as a great winemaker and as a great friend. Enrico Pozzesi on the show of Fatteria Rodano in Castellina and Chianti Classico. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Very nice to have you here. So your grandfather purchased Rodano in 1958. 1958, yes. He was the doctor of the village in Castellina and Chianti. And he had uh, two very big passion, hunting and make wine. So that was the reason why he bought Rodano. After his death uh, in uh, 1968, my father, that was an engineer, owned uh, Rodano. And he was involved in the Fattoria Rodano when he has uh, only some free time. Also, he was involved for many, many years like president of the consortium of Gallonero, Chianti Classico. So I am the first in the family that makes only this work. The time of my grandfather and my father, we didn't bottle, so it was only a passion, a second work. Many things changed, uh, and so now we have 10 people working with us. Uh, we sell all the production, so I can also live there. What was the condition of the property when you took over? Oh, the condition was very good because my grandfather started to plant the vineyard when he bought Rodano, and I had the possibility to work also in that very old vineyards. When I arrived, we planted more, and now we have about 34 hectares of vineyards. You're in Castellina, and Castellina is part of Chianti Classico, and what's it like there? Castellina is uh, the biggest village in the Chianti Classico. There are more vineyards than the other village in the Chianti Classico. And uh, Rodano is uh, only 300 meters on the sea level. And we have vineyards also 600 meters in Castellina. And the wine is very, very different. Also, the soil changes a lot. And I can say that only in my farm, that is the same altitude and the soil is similar, I have three different kinds of wine. So it's very difficult to speak uh, about a village, especially in Chianti Classico, because the soil change, exposition is different. So that is the, the richness of Chianti Classico, is uh, that there are very different kinds of wine. The soil changes in a uniform way or a little bit hard to discern? Where uh, I am, uh, it's uh, more easy because uh, about half of the vineyards are on an alluvional soil. The other one is a soil, uh, the origin is rocks. And it's very clear where is one and the other one. I have about half of the vineyards in one place and the other half in the other place. And after the aging, the wine uh, is blended generally. 80% is a blend of different vineyards. And I think the richness of the wine is, is because there are different characters of Sangiovese when grow up in one part or the other part. Uh, we do a, a single vineyard, the Acosta. It's 100% Sangiovese and only from that vineyard. And the character is very different from the blend that I do for the regular what are some of the differences in the palate that you notice right away? First of all, a very strong relationship with the soil, with the place. Because 
I started to realize Via Costa in uh, 86. And uh, after the aging, the wine are very similar in different uh, vintage, the same character. You can recognize this is uh, Via Costa. Also, to make a wine 100% Sangiovese helps a lot because it's not a blend of grapes. It's only Sangiovese. So the character is always the same. At the beginning, we aged 40% of that wine in Barrique and 60 in Big Bote. From the vintage of four, we do only the Big Bote. I think that Sangiovese is better in Big Bote, but is my opinion. All the wine uh, of Via Costa age in Bote for about three years. For the blend of the regular, I age uh, the wine uh, 70-80% in Bote and the rest in cement and then I blend. But you fermented in? Via Costa is fermented in cement. The rest in, uh, in steel. Because in steel, in the very hot vintage, is more easy to have a control of temperature, of course, in cement is less easy. So sometimes the result in some very hot vintage is better in steel than in cement. But usually we ferment the Acosta in cement. Also because I decide to release the Acosta all in the best vintage. So if the wine is not good, I don't release, no problem. When a vintage is not good, is it usually too warm or usually too cold or rainy? Maybe the two. Okay. But usually... When we have very hot summer or dry summer, the quality is good. The quantity is very, very small, but the quality is good. When it's cold, it's cold, and uh, the grapes don't need cold. When you arrived, what helped you to start to form your views on how you should approach the wines and the vineyards? When I started, uh, I was lucky because there were some uh, very old workers that lived in, uh, in Rotano for uh, all uh, their life. So... They teach me many things. And uh, also, when I started to work with Giulio Gambelli, it was a big help, especially to make wine. In the vineyards is the um, experience, because every vineyard is different, every place is different, so you need uh, experience. I did many mistakes. What were some of the mistakes? At the beginning, I didn't know anything, you know. In uh, 10 years uh, after starting to work there, we started to make organic agriculture, and it helps a lot. So we started to be organic, not for uh, philosophy or for idea, only because I think that it is the better way. And so some of the old farmers that you worked with, did they also feel that way about organics? Of course, no. The tradition was, uh, was different. And also when I planted the first vineyard on the clay, they said, you are crazy. But the result was very, very good. So it was a mix of what I studied, what I've seen in other places, not only in Candy Classico, but uh, I tried to go everywhere and to speak with other producers to understand something, only something. Because uh, (laughs) Giulio Gambelli one time said to me, what we understand about wine maybe is 20% of what happens. And uh, at the beginning, I, I didn't understood what, uh, what he was saying, but now maybe I understand something. He started to work in, to help us 
in uh, 81. I just started the year before. And uh, Giulio Gambelli, for me and for my father, first thing was a, a very good friend. And he said, I don't come to work for you. I come to help you. Uh, and it was also very difficult to pay him. Very, very difficult. And I was lucky because uh, he was on the way to come back at home from Montalcino or from other place in Chianti Classico. And he came to take roses at my place for his wife every evening. So that was the reason that he stopped there, uh, let me taste some wine, and he helped a lot, uh, me and, uh, and uh, my wine. And I can say that if uh, I do the wine in, in this way, is because uh, I met him. So Gambelli, his specialty was more in the winemaking and the blending in the lab, or...? He, he loved uh, Sangiovese. And many times said to me that it was much better to make a Cante Classico only with Sangiovese, but it was not allowed. Uh, I have to say that when we started with Via Costa, also when it was not allowed, we made the, the, the Classico with the 100% Sangiovese. But I think that uh, for the regular Cante Classico, I don't know how much had the Colorino and Canaiolo. I think now not a lot because Colorino was used for the color. But with the new clones and with uh, this uh, low production, we don't need more color. And maybe Canaiolo is more soft, but it's very difficult to find a very good original Canaiolo. The clones that you, that you can buy are not so good. I have some in the Selezione Massale and I continue to use also because uh, the tradition means something. So that was the tradition of Chianti Classico. Chianti Classico only Sangiovese is, is very modern, it's new. But he was one of the guys who really created that, right? I mean, in a way, with Pergola Torte and other wines like that. Yes. So he was known for speaking in, um, not with a lot of words. In public, yes. In, with us, he's, he's speaking like everyone. You know? <laughs> also, everyone said that I don't speak a lot. You know, but with friends, when you speak uh, with with a glass of wine, I speak. <laughs> Were there particular lessons about tasting? Because he was known as a good taster, right? Yes, he didn't need to make uh, analysis to the wine. You know? <laughs> Because when he tasted, he has the capacity that the normal people don't test. I have seen to, to his office uh, many famous enologists that go to him to ask something. But yet this capacity was incredible. One time, uh, one producer in Chianti Classico, a big seller, I don't say the name, of course, that realized the white wine and invited Giulio to taste this wine. And uh, after they asked, what do you think about? He said, oh, wine is good, but it's not all your wine. There are the 2% of Muller Turgau that you bought at that vineyard in Trentino. Maybe he tasted that wine and in his mind there is something special. So you can classify everything that he tasted. 
I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible. And there are many, many, many other stories about it. But It's also unusual for someone of that age to taste that well. Because usually people, their tasting acuity loses mm-hmm. with time. Because when you worked with him, he's in his 70s, right? Yes. But he was still super sharp, huh? Yes. Also, I, I had the, the lucky to go to his office to taste the wine with him. So sometime uh, I've seen that uh, he take a bottle and say, Enrico, taste this wine. And uh, I say, this wine is oxidate. Yes, I know. It's there from two years. But you don't understand. <laughs> okay. For me, I tasted only the oxidation, nothing else. But he uh, tasted also other things. So It's interesting because when I taste wines that he was really associated with, like Pergola Torte or Soldera or your wine, there's a certain Gambelli taste for me. And it is somewhat, I think, I'm guessing, in the use of oxygen. Because it, it's a not primary grape taste it's a little bit something brown something expressive in youth nuanced and textural that i don't know what causes that but it's something that i associate with wines that he makes there's clear red fruit but maybe that is the connection from uh, the different uh, wine that he released because every wine that he released is very different and speaks about the place but it's true. There is this same character. The wine are not so fruity. Maybe is uh, the same line. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that we do the wine in the same way, because everywhere is it is in the same way. When I try to think about that and what would cause that to happen, I don't really know the answer. Except maybe how the wines are topped up or not topped up in the Mm. barrel or what kind of barrel or maybe leaves but i don't know so this is the first time i've asked this question to anybody Mm. so i ask you Mm, i'm honest i never think about that but thinking now i can say that maybe one reason is that uh, we never had uh, any selected east maybe that one is one reason and the long time of maceration is also another reason because uh, i'm sure that after 40 days of maceration on skin uh, the fruit uh, is very low also usually we we use the big boat and not barrique yes also i tried but we prefer to come back to the big boat. One other reason maybe is that after the aging in wood, the wine come back in cement for six months. Maybe that one is another reason. But what you say, um, I agree. What about racking? How often is the wine moved from one vessel to another before it's bottled? Depends from the vintage. What would affect that? We don't put the wine very soon in wood. Because Gambelli said that until the wine and the manolatic, uh, until the wine is not clear, 
it's better don't do it. I know that is the maybe is the only one that say that. And so we, we put the wine in, in wood uh, after six months from uh, the harvest in April, May, not before, not some days after the end of the fermentation. So does that mean that the mallow does not happen in wood? I prefer not. I prefer not. And maybe this is also another reason what we say before. So how long does a typical mallow take for you? It is changing a lot in the last years. In the last two years, three years, I had many problems. Also because I don't do nothing to help manolatic. I don't use any battery. And so it's long and sometimes also after three, four months from the end of the alcoholic fermentation. In the hot vintage, we have manolatic during the alcoholic fermentation, also because we don't do any control, temperature control or control of manolatic. So maybe that is a reason. But I've seen that in the hot vintage, uh, manolatic is during the alcoholic fermentation. Someone says that is very dangerous. I don't know. Did he ever do any work with Governo Toscana, where the grapes are slightly dried? No, because uh, it's a crazy thing. You take many, many risks with a wine that is finished. You take another risk doing the Governo. And why? Uh, because maybe 20 years ago, Governo helped to make the wine... Uh, ready before. Now we don't need. We make wine for aging, so governo make no sense. In Canti Classico, maybe if I, I have to do a young wine, maybe it's possible, but there are other things that are less, less risk than governo Toscana. So would Gumbelli come over for dinner or share a meal or have lunch, that kind of thing? You talk about wines? No, only when I, when I was married, they came to my... <laughs> Uh, because he was a very reservato man. He was a very reserved man. Yes, in the private life. But we have many occasions to speak about wine. When I went to his office, and I don't know if I went there every day or when I have some time I went. So we had many, many, many times to speak about uh, wine and uh, taste wine. Was he a fast taster or a slow taster? Very slow, very slow. When we did the blend of the different boti, maybe for the regular, we blend about 30, 40 different boti, and we need two morning to full, so six, eight hours. Also, the enologist that now works with me, I was uh, with him at uh, his office, and uh, he works in the same way. So we take a lot of attention when we make the, the blend. And uh, what uh, I learned is that 2% of a different kind of boat can change the rest, 98%. It's unbelievable, but uh, it's true. Where do you think he was coming from with that? Was that Tancredi Bianti Santi teaching him, or did he learn that from around the world? 
did he visit wineries around the world or what was the background that he came to that point? I know that he was sometimes in Burgundy, in Cordoran, in other places, but I don't think that every year that he went somewhere. So I know that at the beginning he worked with Biondi Santi in Poggibonzi. And in that cellar they buy a lot of wine from everywhere in Tuscany, so he had the possibility to taste many things. I think that Giulio had particular capacity. That is not normal. But he always said that you have to taste a lot to, to deliver the taste. So I don't know how many wines he tasted in one day, but a lot. Because I was in this office, in one, two hours, we tasted 10, 20 different wines from different places. Did he talk to you about soil types? Did he say, off this kind of thing, I get this, or exposures? In all my time with Giulio, we have been together in the vineyard maybe not more than 10 times. He came to the cellar to taste the wine during the fermentation. But I don't know why, but he was not so interested in the vineyards. But I can say that after some years, uh, he can recognize all my wine and he says, this wine comes from that Venus. I don't know why, but maybe he never seen uh, that vineyard. He had seen, but he didn't come every year to see the grapes or uh, in the Venus. And one other thing, when, um, when he tasted the wine, only one time during the fermentation, Maybe after some years, after aging, he said, this wine comes from that uh, tank after two years. And I went home to, to see if it's true, and always was true. It was incredible. I don't know what was in his mind and his palate. There was a, a very close connection. And it was difficult to pay him? Yes, because he's, Every time that we want to pay him, he said, no, we are friends, uh, I don't want uh, anything. He was a very good friend of my father. And uh, my father gave me the money and sent me to his wife uh, and uh, don't say to Julio and we paid. I don't know if it was the same with the other, but I listened to this thing also from many others. What do you think he and your father developed a friendship over? My father was president of the consortium for many, many years, and Giulio was one of the consultants most known there. And also he went to the consortium two times every week for the tasting to give the okay for the bottling. So they met many times at the consortium and also at home. Did he ever give you advice that you didn't take? Never. <laughs> no. No, because uh, from the beginning uh, we had a very good feeling and I didn't know anything at the time. He was a very good teacher and also a very good friend. And he said, do this, but no, in the right way. In the right way, not do this. So, happened also some mistake, like uh, to plant Merlot. He said, plant Merlot, we did it, and it was a mistake. But not for Cantic Classico, because we have some IGT vineyard. 
but also to try something different. But also we want to uh, experiment different things. We started with Barrique, he agreed at the beginning, and then after many, 10 years, we decided to don't use it because the result was not so good. But at the beginning, no problem, we can uh, experiment. His mind was not closed. Was very open. That's interesting. That's not what I would have assumed. That is my experience with him. There are not a lot of things because he didn't like the technology. So the only machine that we have is some pump. He disagreed with the use of selected Easter. No. I think the whole time that you knew him, he was locally famous, but. You may have seen a change in terms of international fame mm-hmm. more closer to the time he died. Because I feel like people didn't really talk about him during a period of time where other consultants got more attention. Yes, it's true. He was very modest. And uh, sometimes uh, you hear that this wine is from the technologist. When uh, the people speak about Rodano, Montefertini, or other, the wine comes from Montefertini, or from Rodano, or from uh, Soldera. And then there is Gambelli. For other enologists, it's different. And uh, I don't know if you want to record this in the interview. There were some enologists that... Uh, they had problems with the law because some analogists said he was not an analogist, he, he don't had any paper. So, and uh, that time was not so good for him because they were all friends. Okay. So he had some problem to say. Uh, also, he said, when you write something about Rodano, don't say that I am your analogist. You have to say I am your consultant. You know? I see. So... He wasn't officially an analogist, and yes. the other people objected to yes. that characterization. Yes. And so yes. he didn't want his name necessarily associated with the wines yes. or the wineries because he wasn't an analogist, and there were people giving him trouble. So that was the one reason that was difficult to pay him. I see. For a few reasons. There was a little bit more distance between his name and the winery names, yes. unlike the other analogists. Yes. And also I can say that for the journalist before he died was not so famous, you know, after yes, because we lose uh, a teacher. He's much more popular after he died than before. For me it's the same. <laughs> was a, a very good experience, a very good friend, first of all. So what about the vintages? What are vintages that have really surprised you? What are vintages that have been challenging? What are vintages where it's really come together? The last very complicated was uh, 14. We had rain all uh, the summer and also was very cold. Rain and cold is not good for maturation of grapes. Others, uh, one very bad was 2002. But there are also the, some vintage that we were surprised about the result. O4, for example, that was a very generous vintage, also in quantity, 
And so the, the wine at the beginning seemed uh, light, but was a wine that aged very well and is still uh, very, very, very good. Also 95 surprised me for the same reason. 95 is still uh, very, very alive, very young. For me, it was very difficult also 2000 because it was too dry and I did some mistake in the cellar, so we didn't bottle anything, but I think the reputation of 2000 is not bad. It's not a bad year. So you can have a surprise in the, in the good way and also in the bad way. 2001 was the same. At the beginning, it seems not a, a great vintage, and it was a great vintage. So because maybe with the Sangiovese, you have to wait the two years of aging to understand very well the potential of, of that wine. The last years we speak very well about the 15, everyone say that is one of the best vintage of the century. Maybe the reason is because it was after 14. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just happy, huh? I think that the 16 maybe is more balanced than 15. I prefer 16 than 15. Sometimes we speak a lot about uh, vintage uh, and then we, are, uh, we have bad surprise. On the contrary, sometimes we don't speak and we have a very nice surprise. I think that for the best expression of uh, Sangiovese, you have to wait minimum two years, two years and a half. It's very important to take the time that uh, the wine needs. There are vintage that are ready before, but there are someone that uh, you need more time. What's the outside curve for how long the Chianti Classico can age? What's the oldest that you've had that's been really good? In Rodano, we, we started to, to bottle in a serious way only with the vintage uh, 86. I have some bottle of 86 and uh, some bottle of 88 uh, Via Costa are still uh, very, very good. And I tasted very old vintage from other producer based on uh, Sangiovese. And I think that with the new idea to have low production for Hector, we can have a very good, very fine and alive bottle of 40, 50 years. Also because Sangiovese is good from when he's young and when he's old. And he's very different. You planted Merlot and Cab, and you experimented with smaller wood, but why do you think that you weren't more drawn to the kind of super Tuscan, big dark fruit wines that were very popular when you were a young guy who didn't know a lot? You that know? was very popular. Also, we had the super Tuscan, a blend of Sangiovese and, and Cab, like everyone. I can say that except the three, four big names. Now there is no interest in this kind of wine. There is much more interest for the denomination. And uh, I'm happy about that. But maybe that if we didn't add this uh, Super Tuscan, because there are some that are 100% Sangiovese, maybe that uh, kind of wine uh, helped us to understand that you can do great thing with Sangiovese. I started also to make Cabernet Sauvignon 100% because I think that Cabernet Sauvignon grew up very well in Nicanti Classico. Sometimes I say that after the Sangiovese is the variety that I prefer, but after Sangiovese. 
So I think that we have much more, uh, much uh, work to increase the quality of Sangiovese, not in the cellar, but in the vineyard, because uh, we don't have the same story of Burgundy, of uh, Barolo. We didn't study anything about uh, the soil. And uh, I think that the new idea to make the Zonazione is a, a beginning to start this work that we never did. So that is one of the reasons that I say that Sangiovese in Chianti Classico has great potential. When we did the Chianti Classico 2000, we studied many things, but not the soil. So we have to start now. So is the, I, I know that is difficult because I explained you that in Chianti Classico the soil changed uh, 100 meters another 100 meters so it's, it's also difficult to make this but we need need to do it enrico posesi has learned a lot but is looking forward to the future and progress in chianti classico in castellina at fetteria rodano thank you very much for being here today thank you to everyone thank you enrico posesi of fetteria rodano in chianti classico in castellina all drink to that is hosted and produced by myself levy dalton Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening. This episode was made possible by Vinitaly, the world's largest wine fair, held each year in Verona, Italy. I think that for a producer it is difficult to, to explain these wines. When I started in uh, 1980, with about 18 hectares, we did the same quantity of wine that we, now we do with the 34. Of course, the quality was, was different. And so everything is changed in the last 20 years.